Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. We are live on the Charity Stripe Podcast with your hosts, Alex, Josh, and Nick. We're back, baby. It's the Charity Stripe and Horns Up talking Texas, doing a little double dipping for the people today. Fisher, Tasapos, DJ, Nikki, Snacks, Kreider. If you're listening on the Mightier 1090 ESPN radio, shout out to you. Shout out to your family. We have a guest today from Southeastern 14. He is an expert on the SEC conference. He is a beast. He's been running rivals for Vandy for 21 years. Let that sink in, people. He's seen it all, done it all, been around Tennessee and back again. Chris Lee joining the boys. Chris, welcome, man. Hey, thank you for having me. Got you, man. I look, it's been it's been a very interesting football season. We're Texas guys as we kicked it off. And, you know, we want to get through the breakdown of everything. But what's the temperature like from your guys and with us coming to the SEC? Have we proven over the past couple seasons, since our beat down from Arkansas, have we proven, hey, like we've recruited well enough, we fixed our holes, we're here, we're ready, we belong, we can compete with the big guys. I know the, the win against Alabama is a very big statement in, in Tuscaloosa. Well, look, I, I think it's it's hard to get respect from the top in the SEC when you've got a, – a, and I don't mean this disparaging because I think Texas has is, is got a historically great program, but you've got how many SEC teams that have won national titles – since Texas, uh, Florida, LSU, Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, I guess. Um, if I got something out of sequence, um, you know, l- let me know. But look, and, and that's more about the SEC than it is about Texas, right? I mean, it, it is a brutal league. Um, you got a Tennessee team 25 years ago was on top of the college football world, won a national title after Peyton Manning left. Looked like they had the next dynasty. Um, they, they've been in the back seat for the better part of the last 15 years. In, in this league. Now they're, they're getting back. Uh, point being, it, it is a rough and tumble league. I, I do think Texas got a lot of people's attention with that Alabama win as well. It should have. And, and the way they're recruiting should get people's attention too. Um, but I mean, it's, it's such a beauty pageant in this league week in and week out. It's just like, it's just adding two more people to the contest in Texas and Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Yeah. We, I mean, look, we'd be remiss if we didn't give Oklahoma their fair due. They beat us this year. Um, and he's completely turned around that way. I mean, we beat them 49 nothing last year, and he's completely flipped the script on us and, yeah. quite frankly, on the college football world. I know they've had a couple of bad runs in a row, but Venables is a good defensive coach, and it's I think it's only going to help his recruiting style in the SEC. On on the the beauty pageant's funny, um, and it is a very test, it's a big testament to the SEC. Like, you know, iron sharpens iron, and they get their respect from the college football committee based off their schedule. So tailoring to that, right now it's weird that Georgia's too. It seems yeah. like they're not getting respect from what they've done in the past. Do you think that's fair? And do you think that's like a like do you think it's a fair statement that I'm making that they're not getting the respect? And then do you also think it's fair that they aren't getting the respect? And it's really just a singular look on what's going on this year. Well, two things. It's been kind of interesting because I'm usually pretty decent at guessing some of the lines when they come out. And Georgia's yeah. been a couple points off uh, where you think some of these games would have been this year. No, it, it started to revert to form a little bit. But uh, two things. I, I think, that A, there's a ton of parity in college football. B, look, Georgia's, Georgia's really, really good. 
Um, mm-hmm. But they came into the season with a new quarterback. Stetson Bennett had led them to so many big wins. Carson Beck sat on the bench for three years coming in. You just didn't know. Um, number two, and I know this every year, they, they lose a, five guys in the first round of the draft or whatever the number is. At some point, that kind of takes a toll. I mean, it, it kind of has on Alabama. So you're always like, okay, can they can they run this back again, or does it take a toll? I, I think the answer is it took a little bit off, off them. I was looking at some stuff this morning. Um, they're getting up 4.7 yards a run play, taking sacks out of it. That is very un-Georgia-like. They don't have a George, Jordan Davis in the middle. Um, you know, they don't maybe have a couple things that they've had before. But look, they're, they're still really good. You know, there's there's eight nine teams that can win this whole thing. I think they're right in the really? middle of it. They are they are getting better. Um, yeah, I mean if if you look at if you look at power rankings and where teams are, you know th- these teams aren't more than a, a lot of them a point or two apart. Uh, you now Ohio State and Michigan computers like a little bit more than everybody else, but you get into a pack where it's Georgia, Alabama, um, you know, and, and there's not that many points off teams three to eight or whatever it is. Washington might be the outlier a little bit but because of that defense. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it's a really good Georgia team. I think Georgia's probably going to win out and make the playoff to be my prediction, but I, I don't know if it with a lot of confidence. Um, and when they get there, you like like your history and tradition. But I, I don't think it's quite the step-on-your-neck Georgia team we saw the last couple of years. Completely I think, interestingly, they – they play Ole Miss this weekend, right? So my expectation, yeah. and Ohio State plays Michigan State, right? Michigan State has not had a great year. My expectation would be that if Georgia beats Ole Miss, then they would then supersede Ohio State as the number one team ranked in the college football playoff ranking, the CFP ranking. Well, you could um, be in a you could be in a position too, Toss, where like Michigan goes to goes to Penn State, and if they put you know if they put the beat down, then aside the sign stealing scandal aside, like right. just from a purely team ranking standpoint, if Michigan comes in you know to Death Valley and they beat uh, or Happy Valley and they and they beat Penn State, then they could jump everybody. Yeah, and well, they could. Be yeah, we we might see Ohio State flip yeah. to three, right? Where they you totally could. Quality one of the season. I mean, I, I'm with you, Chris. I think that there are you know eight to nine teams that could actually get it done this year. It's the most wide open that I've seen in a long time. But there's not a definitive top dog, and really the only team that has looked the part in terms of blowing teams out with their offense and with their defense is Michigan. But their strength yeah. schedule is so weak. You know, now these last three weeks really come down. I mean, it's really just two weeks. I mean, I hope they take care of business against Maryland, but Penn State and Ohio State are the two ones that you really have to, you know, get off your back. But I'm with you. I think eight to nine teams, it's it's wide open. It's, it's never been this much parity in, in college football. If if it is nine for you guys, Chris, and and for you, Nick, I'm interested to hear who that ninth team is yeah. personally. Um, because I think one through eight makes sense to me, right? I'll just lift, list them off real quick. Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Florida State, Washington, Oregon, Texas, and Alabama, to me, all feel like they could win uh, the college football championship. Who is that ninth team that's kind of, that, that I'm missing here? Or yeah, JMU. Not on my list? No, eh. no, JMU. Um, I, I, if it's all, it comes down if Ole Miss can beat Georgia this week. If Ole Miss can beat yeah. Georgia this week, then it's them. Okay. okay. Did, you, did you say Penn State in there? I did not. I did not. I mean, it, it could the, the computers. Now, I'm not buying it, but the computers don't have Penn State off the rest of those teams. They've got their right in there with Georgia. Those now, I don't think their offense is good enough. Hard, uh, but I'm, I'm just saying. Uh, sometimes 
sometimes we're right. Sometimes the computers see something we don't see. I, I think it could be them. Um, it, it could be Ole Miss. Ole Miss would have to win this weekend. Um, if you want a complete dart throw, Louisville, um, I, I, I don't think say. I buy them as being good enough, but th- there's your there's your contenders. That's your dart throw. I, I, don't, I, I don't think that's – I think that's a fair dart throw in the sense if they win the ACC, like, hey, look, they're a one-loss ACC team, and that's presuming they took down Florida State, who's been in the top four all season long since beating LSU. Yeah. So having them in the mix is is somewhat re- – I think it's more reasonable than Penn State. Like, I guess the score was kind of somewhat close to Ohio State, but their quarterback went 10 of 31. Like, their offense yeah. was, was non-existent. So you can't rationalize to me that a non-existent offense where, yes, like there are some really strong defensive teams, but go to the Pac-12. Like what would that Washington team, Oregon team, they would boat race Penn State. I don't care if the Penn State defense it has more pros on the on, on that side of the football. They will put up those points. So I, I really can't buy Penn State. Do you think that if Georgia runs the table in the regular season, gets the SEC championship, loses to Alabama, and then you have – Bama with the one loss winning the SEC. But then obviously I think one of Michigan or Ohio State will be undefeated. And let's say FSU and Washington's undefeated. Is Georgia out? I, I think so. We we did a whole show about this for 50 minutes yeah. this week. And I was <laughs> I was pretty busy at the end of you it. You can give us the skinny. Well, here's here's the skinny. I just I went and I've got this model in front of me. I'm like, all right, if if two weeks from now when this team matches up with this team, who's going to be favored based on home field? I just played it out and said, all right. If, if all the favorites win, here's what it's going to look like. Um, Florida State was the easiest team to get the playoff. Um, Michigan is going to be favored by the computer in every other game. No, that, that helps by playing at home against Ohio State. No, they haven't played anybody yet. So how much stock you want to put in, in a computer when your toughest game is Rutgers, you know, we, we can debate that. But I'm just I was trying to make it simple and say this is what it's spitting out. Uh, the, the other one was Georgia. Um, Georgia's – going to go unbeaten and if it wins well it's favored in all the remaining games going to be but you got a game at Tennessee next week probably going to be about a field goal line there that's in Knoxville and then you've got the Alabama game which the computers have is almost a toss-up I, I think I heard that the odds makers are setting that right now about Georgia minus five and a half which seems a little high but let Georgia win out okay that's three unbeatens right there that's easy the fourth team that's where it gets hard um I know Washington beat Oregon early in the year. Computers continue to like Oregon more because the defense is a lot better. Uh, what do you do with the Big 12 if Texas wins out? That's a great conversation. I mean, you you could have a mess. Alabama would get eliminated in this scenario. But you could have a real mess where you're trying to go, okay, what do we do with an Ohio State team that lost one game that didn't make the championship game? Um, what do we do with, with Texas if it's a one-loss Texas that wins out? Um you know, what What if, well, Ole Miss losing would be part of that scenario, so throw them out. But, I mean, there's there's a lot of combinations that could be really interesting at the end. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the one of the scary things as Texas fans, like, yes, it'd be awesome to go run the table for the rest of the way and win the Big 12 championship. But one of the scary things in the scenario that you laid out is Oregon seemingly gets to get their vengeance on Washington, you yeah. know, and, and they get to have their revenge game. And we don't necessarily get to have our revenge game against Oklahoma. The only savings grace, and I saw a video recently, that, and it was, and we'll see how Oregon fares against USC now that Alex Grinch is gone. Maybe, you know, like their defense does like a 180. Doubt it, but anything's <laughs> possible. Um, 
the only the 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 only peculiar thing is there's so many teams in the Big 12 college football rankings and they're making the rankings themselves. Like they are saying and assessing, hey, the Big 12 has some real players and real dogs. They are really valuing Kansas. They're really valuing Oklahoma State. And so even if we meet Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship, like that should count for something. Like they're not I think there's the value teams. there's five teams, yeah, and I'm missing somebody. I think the value Kansas State. Um, yeah, thank you. I think that we just beat. I think the value of the pack without our starting quarterback, the value of the Pac-12, maybe not as high as people deemed it a couple weeks ago. So that's something peculiar that I'm watching out for, how the committee continues to value the Big 12, because it's pretty high with five teams in there. Yeah, I mean, the one small rebuttal would be Arizona did sneak into the top 25 this week for whatever that's worth. They're, they're not going to be in playoff contention, but maybe what that tells you is – How's the committee going to value wins? Uh, so maybe there's a couple things in there at the end that, that give us a clue on how the committee is going to sort it out at the end. But yeah, it, it did feel like um, that that flipped a little bit between the first poll and the second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and no one will know that Arizona is a good football team because they kick at 7.30 Pacific <laughs> right. time. Right? right? The good riddance to the Pac-12. It's been a huge thing on our show for years. Like the Pac-12 being the – it's so sad that they're like arguably one of the best, if not the best conference this year from a football – at least from a fun football standpoint. Like fireworks, yeah. offense. Like it's it's good football to watch, but nobody catches it because they play so late into the night on Saturday. Yeah. It's super brutal. Super. Yeah, brutal. I mean I'm, I'm waiting to see how all this, this Pac-12 stuff unfolds because – Washington does have a couple of tough games left on their schedule, you know, counting the um, conference championship game. I mean, Utah is definitely not a uh, an easy win. Oregon State is not an easy win. You know, they close it out against Washington State, which is a rival. So, you know, if they even get to the conference championship where they have to play someone, I mean, I think they rank these teams five and six for a reason because they know that one of them is going to fall out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they put them back to back and they do the same thing with Michigan, Ohio state, right? Cause they know mm-hmm. that one of them is going to have to suffer a loss against the other and they're going to have to drop them back a little bit. So I, I don't really mind the position that Texas is in right now. I'd, I'd like to be maybe one more, you know, one ahead of Oregon. That's the one yeah. that, that scares me as well, because if they run the table, then, you know, they just show right here that they're getting in ahead of us. But um, it, it just really depends on, you know, who loses to who. Florida State, I mean, they could just walk in at this point, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, they do have some some interesting matchups. I mean, Miami's definitely a rivalry week and then Florida, but it just seems like they're going to walk in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and – it's like that's what happens. Like, and that's the go back to the respect. And look, they are undefeated, but it goes back to almost the respect of the SEC. Like when they came in in week one and, and they put the beat, they beat down LSU. That put the rest of the league on notice. Like the playoffs at that point was arguably theirs to lose. What what's going on with LSU defensively, maybe? Like, what's the temperature you're hearing there? It's kind of a disappointing season. They could have arguably, and I think nobody's talking about this. Like it's a very d- d- thank you, Heisman. Yes, I wasn't even going to mention that. He should definitely be in going to New York at this point, Daniels. But they could arguably have the best quarterback wide receiver duo, like tandem, in, in the entire league, all of college football. Yeah, that, that offense is incredible. Um, the thing that happened to Daniels, I've been just kind of waiting on him to get hurt. And now he's, although one of them, could have happened to anybody that they hit to the chin last week. I mean, that, that has nothing to do with stature, but he's, he's not very big around and he's got the ball in his hands a lot. Uh, they give up a few sacks. He runs the ball a lot. And I was like, is that going to be a little bit of a ticking time bomb? It kind of was, but guys, 
LSU before the season brought in new corners, and this kind of deep defensive back universe. You just kind of presume LSU is going to have dudes there. Uh, it didn't. One of their starting corners was a transfer from southeastern Louisiana. And you, you would still think that as much talent as they've got with Harold Perkins, with Mason Smith, with those guys, I mean, LSU's in a recruiting hotbed. You just kind of trust him to figure it out. Um, I, I think alarm bells had to go off the first couple of weeks when they started giving up big numbers. They bring an 82-year-old in to, to help them midseason, Pete Jenkins, to try to help them figure stuff out. And there was a little spell for about two and a half games where it got better. You know, like, all right, did it, did it get better? Or is it just playing Army and, and whoever else was in that stretch? Yeah. Second half of Missouri, they look pretty good. Um, feels like last week against Alabama, we got our answer. It, uh, Jalen Milrow is, is still running loose in that one, and that um, they couldn't get stops, and, and now they're out of the playoff chase. I mean, he was frolicking around the field. Like, yeah. he was prancing and dancing around the field. They couldn't touch him. But they, had some, they had some DBs out in that game, too, though, which I think is worth noting, right? Um, no, it's really interesting. I completely agree with you on the Jaden Daniels point. And I think he, he changes games slightly in comparison to last year, but I remember watching a lot of those games last year and being like, this guy, the hits that he takes when he yep. breaks out of the pocket and he's so athletic, but you just can't help it when there's a guy that, you know, catches up to you who you can't see out of your rear view mirror and hits yeah. you and is, you know, 50, 60 pounds up on you. Like that's a lot of weight and your body is crumpling in a weird position and he's so athletic and he, and he's so good at making one guy miss that change of direction oftentimes leads in him getting hit full speed by a different defender right after he's gotten 15 yards upfield. Um, yeah. and I just think that's definitely something that a lot of pro scouts are keyed in on, you know, because at the next level, the guys get even faster, they get even bigger and those hits get even, um, you know, a higher risk and potential for injury. So that, that is one thing. And it's unfortunate, like you said, like the one that he actually did get injured on, like that could happen to any quarterback, right? Like yeah. that's just, um, but it's, but it's been awesome to see what he's been able to do. And, and I guess with, with BK and those guys, you know, year two, year three and four in, in between those seasons, you have to recruit better on the defensive side and you, you have to have that depth, right? It's not just mm. having the playmakers like Harold Perkins, who we were all a massive fan of, um, you know, when, when he committed to LSU and what he did last year as a freshman, but Slipped you have to have the, fingers. you have to have the, yes, right. <laughs> Almost as longhorn, <laughs> which he was, yeah. um, but yeah, the depth there is different. I think it's really it's huge. Yeah. Sorry, I just wanted to, I just wanted to add to that point quick before you get to your next one. A, a couple of things like it, it really is a big question if Jalen if he, Daniels is a pro, like that's going to be a big question. Is he a second rounder? Is he a third rounder because of his size? Like the talents there, but from a size standpoint, and Bryce Young from a size standpoint isn't doing him any favors for whatever it is this season. Yeah. Um, and you're right on the depth standpoint. Like we're seeing it tenfold back to the horns. Something that we talk about on our Texas show is the depth in our defensive backfields. Safety goes down. Catalan goes down. Who's probably a pro too. Like I was looking at our draft stock uh, and our players. We probably have like 11 pros that could go next year in the draft, which is pretty, which is yeah. such an, such an anomaly from what we've seen in years past recently. Um, but look at the depth we have and how much that has helped us in our defensive backfield. So I just wanted to add that to your point before you get to the next one, Toss. Like it's been such a massive boon for the Texas Longhorns this season, having safeties and corners that they can continuously rotate. And even if guys are healthy, like fresh legs all the time with how talented some of these receivers in college football are getting and how fast, like exponentially growing that position is, having fresh legs in the defensive backfield is so is so important to having a strong college football team, and it's paid massive dividends for the Longhorns this year. Yeah, completely agree. 
what I wanted to ask you, Chris, is with the expansion of the SEC, adding Oklahoma and Texas, um, and, and what we were talking about previously, just in regards to the college football playoff rankings, how these these uh, you know the Big Five conferences are playing out at the end of the season, you know the pack, the pack, and the Big Twelve, their conference championships are between the two best teams in the conference. Mm-hmm. The Big Ten, you've got your divisions, right? Stupid. The SEC, you have your divisions. Yeah. Now, in the SEC, because the conference has been so good over the last 20 years, the West-East right matchup. matchup, it's a great matchup, right? It's been yeah. Georgia, it's yeah. been Florida on the East side, and and then <clears throat> in the West, it's been LSU and, and Bama and, of course, Auburn. And, or it just, it's been the right teams, right? We'll, we'll get the fix yeah. for uh, for Big Ten next year when you know Washington, Oregon, and USC join. You know They'll hopefully be in the right conference where they'll be able to play <laughs> Ohio State or Michigan. Right. Yeah, that conference has been yeah. the most. I, I think that conference has benefited the most from conference realignment. Uh, they need like I was. So I was probably going to be in the Big Ten championship, and that's Ew. a problem when we watch Michigan and Ohio State Love play their one corner, time. Though. Like they, yeah, he's great, but I'd much rather watch those two teams play twice this year, and then that determines yeah. where we end up in the college football playoff ranking. So, give us again the breakdown of the the new structure of the SEC mm. and just what that's going to look like for Horns fans who are listening. Um, when they joined the SEC conference. Well, first of all, just an aside, not not to throw a, a bucket of cold water on, on Texas coming to the SEC because I think it's going to be fun. But I, I love the way the Big 12 did stuff, guys. I mean, everybody played everybody every – that's really the only way that you ever determine a, a true conference champion. Um, yeah. and, then, and then everything went sideways and they kind of had to adapt or die, and it is. But I, I like the fact that everybody played everybody. In the SEC, a lot of years it came down to – Okay, you're you're playing in the East. It's a, it's an easier division than the West. You you get in by default, and then in the West, you know if you didn't play one of the two teams in the East, it was really good. In one of your two crossover games, uh, that that was that. Um, and so I, I really loved the way the Big Twelve had it a few years ago, where where you got the round robin, and unfortunately that's lost. Um, you know you're gonna have the three permanent opponents. I guess you're you're stuck on eight games right now, and I, I guess it's a thing where Coaches feel like the league beats up on itself enough without adding a ninth conference game. Mm. Uh, the, the league analytics, from what I've told, have told the ideal thing would be to go to nine games. It's better for TV. Um, I, I, I keep waiting. And, and look, maybe now that the playoff is 12 games, you'll you'll see better games because now it's not like, you know, you lose a second game, doesn't matter how good you are. Like Alabama last year, lost two games on the last play, basically. Missed mm. the playoff because of that. 12-team playoff Alabama's in, no problem. Um, I, I guess what I'm getting at here, I've always wondered when those crummy games are going away, when when Alabama's playing Charleston Southern or whatever, just with all the TV money there for the taking. Yes, I mean, it, it just – TV dictates everything. I, I've always wondered when those games are going away. Well, well, coaches had those built in so they can can make a bowl, can keep their job, whatever. That whole dynamic of how that's going to play out in the coming years – um, it's going to be fascinating. The, the league knows it's better off going to nine games, but you've got the coaches and the ADs sitting there not wanting to go from eight. And, and it's people can call it chicken, whatever. It certainly makes for a, a less product, uh, but but I can get it too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you look, we, we already mentioned, right? FSU, that game against LSU at the beginning of the season, yeah. how impressive that now makes their credentials when the CFP is looking at them. For the Texas yeah. Longhorns, 
The reason why we're the seventh ranked team is because we beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa. That's an out of conference game. Now, of course, I think maybe the bigger point is that like now that game's going to be in conference and Texas is going to play LSU and Texas is going to play Georgia and like Texas is still going to play Oklahoma. And now we're looking at all of these games every single year that are at at the highest of quality. We get Michigan next year too. And that's going to add to the strength of schedule against the SEC. So I'd say like, why not have it at nine games, right? Because you know, those games are going to be high competition. A lot of people are going to watch like you're saying and push those teams at the top of the SEC to continue to schedule tough out of conference games. Like we want to see the best play the best. And mm-hmm, so yeah. most viewers, right? Well, yeah, I mean, I, you, I, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, you please go, please. Well, here, here's the, here's the counterpoint to that. Okay. And I don't, I don't know who, who stands where in the room, but okay. Let's say you're Florida. You end your season every year with Florida state. That, that's another game you got. That's tough. Sometimes you get Miami in there too. If you're South Carolina, you end your season every year with Clemson. Um, you know, I, I don't know where it's going for Clemson from here, but they've been a top five program over the last 10 years. On a lesser level, you got Kentucky with the game every year with Louisville, which has sometimes been a, a top 10 program. So I can certainly understand the driving force between schools like those schools going, hey, wait a minute. We're, we're playing eight games, plus we're playing Clemson or Florida sure. State, and, and now we get nine, so we get we get maybe two passes out against whoever we can can schedule at that point. I mean, I, again, I, I don't, I don't like it, but I get it. Yeah. You got to look the thing with Michigan, we're going to play that. If we're a great team, we're going to play them eventually. And we're going to yeah. see them at some point. So why not get it to a place where it's advantageous? And there's almost less in the line. Like when you meet them in the college football playoffs, yeah, you made it. That's great. But there's everything on the line in that game. Play in week, you know, whatever we play in week one, week two, get it out the way. If you win, hey, like that's your resume in Ann Arbor next year. Like, what, what, there's, there may not be a better win in all of college football. Like, that could be the arguably the best win in college football when we get that right out the gate. And then we have a little breathing room. Like, the best thing we, if we had not played Alabama, let alone played them in Tuscaloosa and won, and we just had that OU loss with the same Big 12 schedule. I don't know if we're ahead. Like, where are we? Are we behind Penn yeah. State now? Are we talking about Texas, like, needing Penn State, Ole Miss, and, like, all these other teams to lose? Are we behind even Louisville? Like, is that where we're at? Like, you yeah. know, the, we're not even in the top seven. We're not even in striking distance. So having these out-of-conference games and the strength of schedule, I think it's really advantageous. And we could kind of maybe teeter a little bit to basketball um, and get your takes on some of the hoops teams because we'd love to know where to place our future money. I almost placed on a Michigan state. So glad I didn't do that. Oh goodness. Uh, thank you. I know it was almost a close call. Um, but we'd love to know where to place it there, but I would say that, you know, the biggest loser in all this outside of the PAC 12, of course, is the ACC because what the big 12 did losing us bringing in Houston, a program like that, all of a sudden they might be the top dog in college basketball, the big 12 going yeah. forward with the way that program has yeah. been transformed. Um, but I think even again, in college hoops, it's going to be really, really fun with the way our program is, with the way the SEC basketball is kind of still like cementing itself as a very, very consistent league. So where does the money lie? Is it Kentucky? Is it Tennessee? Is it a team that I didn't list just there? Man, the, the, the league is really good guys. And, and I feel like I've said this several years recently and, and some years I've been wrong, but I, I'm just looking at the, the transfers um, hmm. some of these teams add like Houston loses Tremont Mark to Arkansas, which is already going to be loaded under Eric Musselman. Yeah. You know, he's one of the best defenders in the league. I mean, 
rinse and repeat with a bunch of other teams because I feel like everybody in this league, for the most part, added dudes. I, I think right now my, my head's been on Tennessee or Texas A&M to win the league. Um, mm. But for, for two reasons, a, a, look at what A&M did down the stretch last year yeah. and look at how many guys they return. Uh, and I've, I've done a deep dive on LSU. There, there are not a lot of teams that brought back guys. As, I mean, it's not like what we grew up with when you could say, oh, well, you know, Georgetown's returning this guy next year, this guy this year, North Carolina. Doing the, and, and you knew the names and the faces every place. If you, it's, it's not that now. And so when you see a team that brings back a lot of dudes for a team that was good, you kind of set up and get, uh, get your attention. A&M is one of those teams. Tennessee's another one of those. I watched them opening night. And my concern for Tennessee, th- there's been two things that have really plagued them over the years. Um, number one, their offense box down in games. they can look great and then they get to the NCAA tournament and they will go through a stretch in the round of 32 where they cannot score for anything for 10 minutes. The the Dalton connect guy they got from uh, Northern Colorado. It looks like the real deal that, that I feel like that fills an answer for them. And so the guy Ziegler, their point guard who tore his ACL last year, I had questions. They say he's back, but I'm like, okay, like I'll give you a baseball analogy. If you guys follow him, will be and I'm a Braves fan, Ronald Acuna. Um, you know, came back from that knee injury last year. You know, the, the, the Ronald Acuna 2022 and the one of 2023 were different guys. Yeah. <laughs> and so sometimes a knee injury takes you a while to, to recover from. I, I don't want to make I a sweeping judgment on opening night, but I watched him play a little bit. It looked like the quickness and aggression were there. He was kind of the engine that made them go. Not their best guy statistically, but he really he's a Brooklyn kid. He's a tough kid. He really gets into you and after you. That's what gave that team an identity. So I felt like Tennessee – I had A&M as my preseason pick based on hedging on Tennessee. I think I'd flip that now. But you got Kentucky. Those freshmen look great. Uh, looks like they're going to defend again, which wasn't the case last year. Um, I think Florida's a little bit of sleeper further back. Arkansas, I could see Arkansas being good enough to win it all. They always peak in March. Alabama, we're sitting at media days. Nate Oates reminds us, hey, look um, – Every, every year you guys pick us fifth. We've won it twice. You know, mm. they, they got Grant Nelson who looked great. I mean, this this league is loaded. Uh, I'd, I'd say if you're looking for a team that people are sleeping on a little bit, it, it might be Florida because those other teams are getting a lot of run. Yeah, I mean, the, the transfers, the returning guy, like A&M bringing back Wade Taylor, like, like you're saying, like Tennessee running a lot of guys back. Um, the Kentucky freshman, we know how that – train typically goes like sometimes they could take well look again we've seen with calipari so many times like it takes a little bit they could sometimes start a bit slow but once like they metastasize and like kind of like grow together right and unite then all of a sudden once they get into march they're lethal like what was julius randall's team like i'm not really dating it but they were like an eight seed yeah right so they were an eight seed but they how do they get to the finals they're really good professional basketball players that took a while to gel but well, it, it's so I, interesting interestingly yeah. they had <clears throat> the the Harrison twins who weren't even that great yeah. of professional basketball players but that team had a ton of size a ton yeah. of size which was a, a huge part of that that roster and obviously Julius is having a bad year this season but he's been an all-nba player two times um so you're exactly right Josh like we can't keep we can't keep them out you know we can, we can't we can't uh expect that they won't be there at the end of it but I don't know that the Alabama thing. NATO, it's a great coach. There, there was just so much turnover on that roster, so but I think I like it's a great, it, it's a great point about Ziegler. Like his, his style of play also is very conducive 
to being fully healthy. Like he just like for him yeah. to be his best, he has to be fully healthy. Um, mm. and so downhill and like, they'll need so it downhill. Oh, he's super quick. Yeah. So it's a great point, Chris, about, you know, the guy always looking better in his second year back from the injury as opposed to his first year back. But I like to hear that Florida is, is a, a contender to win the sec this year. That's, that's fun and, and not something that we've seen in a while. And it was always great when they were in the mix. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I, contender might be a little strong. Um, I mean, we'll see. But I, I like what they added with Clayton. Uh, Riley Kugel really came off the end of the year. Todd yeah. Golden is you know, a, a coach a lot of people respect. I, I just think it's going to be a brutal league. I think yep. they're going to have a hard time cracking that that top five or six. Auburn would be in there too, by the way. And, and Auburn, man, they uh, had Baylor until they didn't. Uh, and they got a point guard who's phenomenal. Um, most I, I don't fun, know. I just, yeah, most fun I, I guess coach. my – Right. I guess my point would have been more like um, those other teams get the attention. That might be one that doesn't get talked in, uh, much about nationally. Sure. Sorry, it's something blaring in the background. I was just saying Bruce Pearl's the most fun coach in college basketball. Watching him yeah. get like so crazy on the sideline week in and week out is just been, it's it's going to be such a joy to have him back. But yeah, it's really interesting points. I mean, looking at our Texas basketball team, like you brought up uh, the Alabama team with Nate Oates, like they brought in that North Dakota State kid that's a new transfer, right? That's like a really new piece they had. Like looking at our Texas team, like going down the line, like, you know, in game one, like Horton, you know, Shedrick, Onyema, like Amos, like like our whole team is like pretty new. They're the transfer guys, but like college basketball has almost shifted away from like, hey, like let me get the hot incoming freshman, unless that kid is really, you know, like Zion Williamson level. But like, let me get the hottest transfer. I need experience on this team and let me bring that into my program and, you know, see yeah. and, 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 and see how far we can go with that. I mean, the interesting thing about like the Longhorns and the transfers that you mentioned, like Chedrick is coming from Virginia, right? Mm-hmm. That's a school that a lot of people are paying attention to big school, always good at college basketball. Um, Horton, you know, he, he played last year at UCF two years at Pitt before that. And he played at Delaware the, the year prior. Like, that's the whole thing, Chris, to your point is like, it's so hard to keep track of who these kids are and where they're going. And I, I think the sport, the, the actual sport itself is so much better because these guys are all playing together and the quality of play is just, is just rising all across the board. But from a notoriety standpoint, it's really hard to keep track of where these, who these guys are, where they're going, you know, what year they are, what their eligibility is, especially with mm. the, the current eligibility rules. It's like, you know, guys play for seven years, right? Yeah. Like I don't, I don't even know what's going on at this point. And it takes a good two, three months to get into. Okay, now I actually know my team and five other teams as well in college basketball. And so it's 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 become a bit of a challenge. And I think in a way, college basketball is losing a sense um, to the NBA and the NFL and and our our pro sports and college football too, right? Like even those those guys have helmets on. Like we we know those guys. We really do. I mean, look. Look how much, and I know Caleb is a bit of an anomaly, but look how much he's being talked about right now in the media at large. So I I don't know what the solution is, but I wish there was a way where we could know a little bit better of, of these players and these pieces in college basketball zeitgeist. It's like NHL almost. Yeah. Like, honestly, no, that's I'm, I'm with like. you. Yeah. It's been super, it's been super tough. We never lose fact of who the coaches are, right? Like the coaches have become almost more – more notable than, than some of these players. And these guys are, they're damn talented. They really are like 
It's a bit of a bummer yeah, for me. I'd say the, the coaches and like the top recruits, right? Like your top 25 recruits in college basketball, in my opinion, because like they usually go one and done, you know, and, and that's how you kind of get the name out. But it's the guys who, you know, transfer two or three times that it's hard to keep up with. But yeah, I like to say that we're in. I mean, it, it's, it's awesome that, you know, for a long time, Texas has been playing in the Big 12 and it was such a competitive conference for basketball. And now, as it seems, we're going to the SEC and I'm looking and there's, you know, five, is it five or six teams that are in the top 25 right now? So, I mean, we're, we're heading to a really competitive conference and I'm, I'm excited to see kind of what the play is like for us there next yeah. season. I think the irony is, is like, and you bring up Texas A&M, Chris, and like you're talking about the strength of the SEC, Nick, and basketball, like our A&M rivalry might be renewed heavily, but on yeah. the court. <laughs> I, have to, I have to ask Chris, because as, as Texas Longhorns, we always, you know, look at Texas A&M as that weird school that's kind of culty that has midnight yell and their yell leaders and it's kind of a, a an interesting uh, uh, team to to root for unless you know you're you're a uh, I guess they call it red ass. Uh, what is the consensus with SEC fans on how they view A and M as a school? I, I think it's about the same. Um, you know, I mean the 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 sideline gymnastics of the, of the only and, and no disrespect. I, I have friends. That, I mean, they're some of the nicest people, but it's it, it's a little different. Yeah. It, it's very glad to, glad to hear that we're not. The, it's not just a Texas bias here that we don't uh, really see eye to eye on that. It's I mean, po- the, very political answer, Chris. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, most of the SEC schools, like if you go to a football game at their home stadium, it's such a good time, even if you're not a fan of the team, right? If you're a fan of the opposition, yeah. now you have to be careful who you're talking to, and you got to be careful how many beers the person has had that you're talking to, but it's, it's like, it's an experience. I mean, Quan, our, our co-host on, uh, horns up. No, he was talking about how going to Alabama, like the production there, the production level, not on the field. I'm talking about off the field in the stands at the stadium was unbelievable. It's next level. Um, a and M. I mean, I've been to Kyle field, not since they made the new additions. It is a weird experience for someone of the opposition because it's, there's no music, right? Like the yeah. band, the, you're, the away band is the only music that you hear and it's just the yelling. It's just the chance. And it's culty, like in a way, like Nick's saying. So it, it's, it's something that's completely unique. And for that, like I, I appreciate it. Um, but it's just a bit of a different vibe than the rest of the sec, yeah. at least in the games <laughs> that I've been to. No doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Chris, thank you so much for joining us, brother. Love your coverage. Great stuff. Uh, We'll have to get you on for baseball season, man. I I know that's your specialty. I know you're, like we said at the top, you're a Vandy guy, and Vandy has produced some of the best product in in base college baseball and in the MLB that we've seen over the past couple years. Um, So we'll get you back on for that. But thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. What? Last question. Oh, last question, man. We always we always ask every question. If you're if you're a guest on the charity stripe, you have to answer this. What is your favorite sports memory of all time? And this could be from you as a player, as a fan, anything in life. Um, I've 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 got two. Uh and I'll go in chronological order. Um I, I live in the Nashville area, so we got Titan season tickets when they got here, uh, including the year they played at Vandy, which was very mediocre. Um, very unexciting. And then they, they get the new stadium. Everybody's excited. Finally, it feels like we got a team that second year. And so um, we go to 
the playoffs where, where we've got Buffalo the first game, and you guys know the story by now. Buffalo drives down the field against us, kicks a field goal with 20 seconds left or whatever it was, and we're going to shoot. And, and so I got season tickets with my my two brothers and my dad. And my dad just looks at us. He says, and we're sitting in the upper deck. He says, guys, I, I'm I'm out of here. He said, I, I cannot take this, put my heart and soul into this, and I, I cannot stand to sit and watch um, another team take the field, you know, with the celebration after the game. So the, the, the kickoff happens. We know what happens. Frank Wycheck throws the lateral to Kevin Dyson, and 68 yards later they get a touchdown. Well, I'm, I'm sitting at it from an angle where – I'm watching it and everybody's cheering. I'm like, ooh, that that looked like a a, a forward pass to me from where I sat. And so th- there's a seven minute review in which I'm going, all right, you know, everybody's excited, but I'm not really sure. So when they after after that they announced that it was that was a lateral, then that now lose my mind along with the rest of the stadium and we're going crazy. So my dad is is getting on the um the shuttle bus and knows none of this. He's turned off his radio and everything. Uh, and he, as he told it later, he said, I, I hear a sound like the stadium has exploded. And he said, I just looked at the shuttle bus driver and said, what just happened? Um, so I hate, oh, I hate that dad wow. wasn't there with me for that, but yeah, it's always it's a been wild a funny one. story. You're at the music city <laughs> miracle. That's crazy. Yeah. I've got the, I've got the ticket on the wall. And I think the other one, um, I've got a son who's nine He's really into baseball. We're Braves fans. So he he really got into it the COVID year. So 2021, mm. we, we make that run uh, through the playoffs, which is unexpected. And, and my, my wife let him stay up and watch game seven of the World Series with me um, to the last really out and watching yeah. him. And, and if you go to my Twitter, it's it's the it's the post, the pin post. I, I recorded him reacting to the last out. And those those are my two favorites because they involved – Great moments with my favorite team and, and my family, and, and that's kind of hard to beat. Love well, that. Nick, thank you for interjecting there and not letting me send Chris off uh, without getting those two awesome, <laughs> very family-oriented, heartfelt memories. I'm so sad your dad left early, but I'm, oh. it's amazing <laughs> that you got to see the Music City Miracle, and that's an awesome, awesome moment that I think so many That, that, that reminds me of uh, uh, yeah. I've seen Fever Pitch where – like he's a season ticket holder for the Red Sox and like he never wants to miss a game. And the one game he decides to miss to go to like his his girlfriend's friend's party or something. It's the it's the ninth inning comeback where they come back from like eight runs and his friend calls him. He's like, you just missed the greatest comeback of all time. Yeah. It's so good. Uh, I've, uh, I've got one more for you. And, and I, I and, and it's I, I can't believe I didn't think of this based on who I'm talking to, but I, I saw one Nolan Ryan game in person in my life, and guess which one it was? Perfect no game. way. I was at the Ventura oh. game. Ventura game. Wow. We, we made yeah. it a point. We're going to see Nolan Ryan pitch one time before he hangs it up, and that's the one we picked. So I saw that one in person. What did you think when it happened? What was what was your reaction? We were in disbelief. Um, my brother had just had, had dabbled with the idea of getting into photography and had just bought a really nice film camera. And so we're we're sitting in the upper deck. We purposely bought seats in the upper deck on the first row behind home plate so we could see Nolan he Ryan. Could use his his long, he could use angle. his long lens with the new camera that he got. Well, right? he went down the field um, right before it happened. I mean, timed it just right. And so he goes down. And he'd barely gotten down there and the fight breaks out. And so he's still got like 20 something pictures he shot with film. 
and, and and most of them are blurry, but he he got down there. And he's like snapping pictures as fast as he can go. That's and, unbelievable. Uh, so my, my brother still somewhere's got a bunch of blurry images uh, of the Nolan Ryan fight that nobody's got, and that was fun too. That's really cool. I That's really have cool. to go run and get this for you. Yeah, <laughs> I had to go run. And, I had to go run and snag this. I have this not hung up yet. Oh, I uh, figured you appreciate that. Sorry, I didn't mean to leave the story, but I had to go go get that to show you, man. That's. That's a, that's a crazy one to be at. You've been at some really sick games, not college yeah. football related, which is hilarious because that's what you cover. Yeah. Love that. Uh, Chris, really, man, thank you. We'll have to get you guys back on. Um, love what you're doing at Southeastern 14. Congrats on all the success there. And congrats on your amazingly crazy long tenure and great run uh, at Rivals covering Vandy. Um, keep doing what you're doing, brother. Enjoy the rest of the season. And we'll see you soon. Hey, it was fun. Thanks for having me. Gotcha. Hook him horns, hit your free throws. We'll see you guys next time. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. We are live on the Charity Stripe Podcast with your hosts, Alex, Josh, and Nick. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.